Welcome to the Theology Mom Podcast. Today we are sharing a replay of Krista's interview with the Mama Bear Apologetics Podcast. You will hear Krista talk about how the occult is becoming more popular among younger generations, what that looks like, and what parents should be on guard against. And now, here are our sisters at Mama Bear Apologetics. With me today is Krista Bontrager. She is part of the, or she founded the Theology Mom podcast, which is a wonderful resource. If you're a mom out there, hop on there. Her conversations are winsome and empowering, and they encourage you to dive deeper into scripture, which is fantastic. So Krista, thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to be here. Thank you. So today, mamas, we are having a a really heavy conversation, but one that's very important. Because with the kickoff, and Krista, correct me if I'm wrong, with the kickoff of COVID and especially the lockdown, we saw a resurgence of interest in the occult growing among kids to where now it's become quite a movement, not just uh, not just within kids, but also even on TikTok. There is a whole genre called witch talk now. And so parents and youth leaders are having to answer questions from their own kids who are saying, well, what's the big deal about crystals and getting into the occult? Oh, it's just harmless. And so this podcast today is to help you be aware of what's going on within a cult, why it's appealing to kiddos, and what you as parents can be on guard for and help shepherd your kiddos as they're facing this. So Krista, how are you seeing this just really come back in vogue? Because I remember in the 90s, as, as a young teen myself, the, I mean, that's when the craft came out. It seemed like so many kids in our high school, there was always that little click of kids who were into the occult. How are you seeing this, not just becoming popular among kids, but even being marketed toward them? Yeah, that's a great question. And just so that people know a little bit about my background on this issue, um, I worked in the realm of deliverance, what's called deliverance, or <laughs> casting out of demons that we see in scripture. Um, I worked in that ministry for several years before um, co-founding the Center for Biblical Unity with Monique Dusan. And so a lot of people probably don't know that. It's not something I talk about a lot, but when you guys reached out to me, um, I said, yeah, I'm up for that. So people might be thinking like, why is theology mom talking about the adult? Like, you know, that's kind of different. So Um, just to give a little context to my background. And what you're talking about is something that I noticed even a year ago. I did a podcast called The Normalization of Witchcraft, Mm -hmm. which people can get as like a kind of a follow-up to this conversation. They can go on my podcast and check that out. And um, you're absolutely right. Uh, I think this really caught my attention actually a few years ago when my kids were in junior high and um, early high school age, because both of them are highly artistic. Mm. They love science fiction and fantasy. And so I was looking for books uh, to help them. Like they had already gone through all the Chronicles of Narnia and the the Tolkien books. Yeah. And, you know, we were just looking for more books in that genre. Mm. And so went to the library and Librarian said, go look at the young adult section. Okay, go over to the young adult section. Oh, my word. I was not prepared for how many books in the young yeah. adult section under the, the banner of science fiction and fantasy mm-hmm. were really just a bunch of on-ramps to witchcraft. Yeah. And, um, you know, when I was a kid, my mom would just drop me off at the library <laughs> for hours and I would be exploring. And I, I suddenly realized, I think in that moment, like I have to be a little bit more discerning yeah. about what my kids are interacting with in terms of content. And I can't just assume that the librarian has vetted this book, um, you know, and go in the, and turn them loose in the young adult section. So that was really like my first aha moment of paying attention to yeah. this issue. Now I feel like it's everywhere. Local Barnes and Noble. We were there um, right before Christmas and my husband and I were hanging out in the Barnes and Noble and there was a whole table right at the front of the bookstore with introduction to witchcraft items. There was Ouija boards and horoscopes and and 
books on spellcasting and toys on spellcasting and just all kinds of things geared for, I would argue, teenage girls. Yeah. And um, then, you know, to, you're, I'm noticing a, more and more toys <laughs> introducing spellcasting, but more TV shows. Like there's a there's a show called Owl House. Yeah. Um, I think it's on Disney Plus yeah. of a girl who's kind of going to a witchcraft school. But there's like some big show on Netflix. We don't have Netflix, but I see ads for it all the time. It's a really popular show on Netflix. And it's all basically about witchcraft mm-hmm. and it's geared toward teenage girls. Um, I don't necessarily recommend Googling this, but there is also a whole subculture of emoji spellcasting, of mm-hmm. using emojis to engage in spellcasting. Astral projection mm. is another thing that's rising in popularity, often among teenagers. Um, in fact, my best friend, her daughter was in a speech class her freshman year in high school. You know how you always have to give like a yeah. persuasive speech and an informational speech. Well, she they were doing the um, the informational, the how-to speeches. Mm-hmm. And somebody in her class, a 15-year-old go- girl, did a, a how-to speech on how to astral project. Oh, wow. In her class. <laughs> so your kids are encountering this stuff like more than likely, yeah. even if you aren't completely aware of it. And it's it's great that you bring that up because I even noticed that this year looking for stocking stuffers for teens. I just Googled stocking stuffers for teens because I've got a 15-year-old boy and, you know, they're super predict or uh, particular. And it was mostly girl stuff that came up, but one of them was tarot cards that that was a great stocking yeah. stuffer idea is to put tarot cards in there and uh, and the astral projection. Have you heard of shifting? Like shape shifting? Not shape shifting. So shifting is is popular not only with teens, but also young kids too. And it's this it's kind of like a, a blend of astral projection and multiverse theory to where Okay, Any yeah. sort of universe can exist. So we're talking the Hunger Games universe, the Harry Potter universe. And what you can do is you can shift your consciousness, your soul, basically, to inhabit a body within that universe. And it, it's huge uh, with kids even because, uh, and it was funny, it yeah. was brought to my attention by a YouTuber called Odd Ones Out. My kids uh, watch his videos sometimes and he was debunking, shifting, and he did a fantastic job doing it. Uh, but it, it's this, you know, kids want to go and immerse themselves in these fantasy cultures. And by the law of shifting, I mean, Tolkien, Chronicles of Narnia, you could shift your consciousness in there. And this is now taking over kids. And one thing that's just pervasive within it is, oh, you know, if you tried to shift and you didn't, it didn't happen, well, you just need to try harder. And if you're doubting your ability to shift, you have to think, but isn't it possible? Maybe the next time. And so it's it's luring these kids in with the promise of throwing themselves into this fantasy world. And and yeah, it's it's basically this this mix of astral projection and and multiverse theory. It's wild. So that is a you're raising a really important point because mm-hmm. that I want to make sure that parents understand is that we're not merely just talking about occultic items. No. Right. So like if you're if you're thinking that like, well, my kid doesn't play with the Ouija board, we're cool. You know, like <laughs> there's no problem here. There's nothing to think about. Yeah. Um, I, one of the goals, you know, in this conversation, I hope to um, open up parents, you know, thought processes to is to understand that, you know, occultic issues, witchcraft issues, that's kind of one area where you know, the demonic can come into our homes. Yeah. But there's other ways that are more innocuous that we might not think about. And the key thing when you're dealing with the demonic is when you're engaging in the spirit realm with dark forces in the spirit realm, um, is giving permissions. Mm -hmm. Yes. And this is what I think that a lot of Christians don't understand Mm -hmm. is the key thing is there's these popular ways of giving permissions like tarot cards, horoscopes, Ouija boards, spell casting, astral projection, all of that. But there's other ways of giving permissions to demonic harassment Mm -hmm. that um, might not be on our radar as parents. And I think that that 
also we need to think about um, how that can show up because once our kids um, start engaging with this content, it can really lead their souls to some dark places. Yeah. And it can lead to some difficulties in the home and in their relationship with the Lord, their Mm. relationship with their parents. And so, you know, these have very practical um, implications. Now, what you're talking about in shifting um, is a great example of something that like might not immediately look, well, that's demonic. Right. You know, it's it could even be classified for some children. They might even think it's on the lines of pretend play. Yeah. And um, this and I this is becoming more and more of a discussion that I, I really hope more Christian parents will start to think about because we kind of introduce some of these dynamics with all of the cosplay culture. Ooh, I think that that was kind of an on-ramp to this hmm. of desensitization. And so engaging these very elaborate cosplay culture mm-hmm. um, conventions and and building, you know, replicas and all of this, which I think could be innocent and could yeah. be a form of pretend play. But... What I think that the enemy doesn't take people from like zero to total po- demonic pers- possession in like a straight line. Like right. that's just not how that works. Mm-hmm. It, it, they The demons are more crafty than that. They're mm-hmm. more clever than that. And so usually their schemes are first about desensitizing us to something. And then the more that we get desensitized, at some point, you know, we find ourselves sliding into something different and deeper in the spirit realm. Mm -hmm. And so shifting to me, that makes complete sense. Yeah. That's just the next level of engaging in the spirit realm um, after cosplay Mm. is that you start thinking like, oh, maybe I could mind shift to this realm where this could actually be real for me. That makes complete sense to me. And that's what I mean by a permission. Yeah. Is once you start engaging in that, what might not seem occultic on the surface could end up becoming difficult for the child and and confusing. Mm-hmm. And you bring up a really great point. So it, there's this desensitization that can occur. And then what I've noticed, uh, just from my own past experience, uh, I dabbled in Wicca as a teen. And then just even looking at how things have, mm-hmm. have changed a bit today is it it also comes with a form of empowerment. And we see this specifically appealing to females because the occult, Wicca, witchcraft, it's heavily seeped in feminism and this female empowerment and the power is within you. The light is within you. You just need to har- uh, harness it. In fact, uh, an acronym that I saw for witch is um, women in total control of herself. And there was a mom who her teen mm. daughter was getting into the occult. And at first she was concerned about it and but then she started looking into it. She's like, well, wait a second. This is just female empowerment. And she felt really out of control during COVID. And this is a way for her to feel in control. And aren't these good things? And at the end of it, she's like, I'm totally fine with my daughter doing these activities because really it's just about being an empowered woman and being in control. So you've got this two part blending of empowerment, control, really being appealing to women and especially now in today's culture where women are told that they are just constantly oppressed by the patriarchy, you can see how this could actually drive interest in the occult, especially in teen girls. Oh, for sure. And my my very good friend is big in the um, crafting world. Okay. Like crafting, like making crafts. Yeah, yeah. She has some fancy machine and she makes all these crafts. She's, she's way super creative. But she said in the crafting world... Witchcraft is actually very big. Oh. And she says, you would be shocked at how many moms are getting on-ramped into witchcraft through the crafting world. And so this is what I mean is like, there's this balance of like, I don't want to be paranoid and think that everything's demonic, but my posture is 
we need more conversations about this mm. because the more that we're out in public talking about it in a reasonable way, we can give people some some warnings yeah. as to what this really looks like. Like when a parent comes to me and says, oh, about nine months ago, my son got hooked on watching horror films or a particular stream of anime content or... I've had more than one parent come to me and say, my teenage son got hooked on UFO shows or mm. paranormal TV shows, ghost hunter shows. Yeah. These might not seem like overt occultic things, but they this kind of darker content can become what I call on, an on-ramp mm. to darker things. Yeah, absolutely. And those... So so while witchcraft is usually very appealing to teenage girls, yeah. for teenage guys, it's more like horror films, yeah. UFO culture, paranormal TV shows, ghost hunting shows. Some streams of anime mm. can be extremely violent, pornographic, or occultic. And so it's, it's important to understand how it shows up, you know, for, and again, this is a bell curve, like there right. could be boys that are really into witchcraft or whatever. But, um, you know, it, sometimes the so much of the focus is on the witchcraft side that we forget the guys yeah. and how they get on-ramped into this stuff. Absolutely. Thank you for for clarifying how boys and girls are uh, attracted differently to this because, yeah, personalities are different. And yeah. it, it, it brings up an important point of kind of how this can maybe start. And uh, we had talked before when you and I were just speaking about our perspective on the spiritual realm can actually help or hinder um, our kids when it comes to the occult. So our personal perspective and how we see the spirit realm can actually influence them. Can you explain a little more about that and how maybe even as Christians, we need to take the spirit realm yeah. a little more seriously? Yeah. So I think that that's really the best place to start is Christian parents need to get clear about the reality of the spirit realm, that the spirit realm is real. And that their children are interacting with it on a daily basis. So, for example, um, if you're teaching your child to pray, you're teaching them how to engage in the spirit realm. Mm. Uh, if you're teaching your child to learn how to listen for God's voice or his wisdom, as it says in James chapter one, that we should we have that promise, you know, that we can ask God for wisdom and that he will give it to us. But we we're trying to teach our children that you know, to hear the shepherd's voice, um, we're teaching our children to, to engage in the spirit realm. Mm -hmm. So we have to first understand that the spirit realm is real and that we're not just discipling our kids um, to be functional naturalists, mm -hmm. you know, that, that this world, to act as if this world is all there is and we don't interact with the spirit realm until we get to heaven. Right. That's, that's not biblical. You know, we need to help orient our children that there are two realms. You know, there is the physical realm that we're living in, but there's also the spirit realm. And to understand that the spirit realm existed before the physical realm, like any, and when I'm talking about the spirit realm, I'm talking about the triune God, right? I'm talking about the eternal nature of things. Um, heaven and hell, the eternal state, angels and demons, Satan. These are all things that exist in the spirit realm. And these things existed before Genesis 1-1, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and, and will persist after, you know, that the heavens and the earth are rolled up like a scroll, um, that we will go into the new creation to rule and reign with Christ. And so we have to ha help our kids have a worldview that just isn't about like addressing um, atheist objections, you know, or the objections of progressive Christianity. Part of that is orienting them to their true destiny right. of going into the new creation and ruling and reigning with Christ. So I think that Christians are uniquely positioned to explain the spirit realm to their children, that it's real, 
you know, that that the physical realm came after the spirit realm as part of the eternal state that we look forward to in the new creation and that they have been created to, to rule and reign with Christ in the new creation. Where I think that this can kind of hinder us sometimes is when um, parents are uninformed and they don't know really how to like establish boundaries for their kids. And so when their kids start dabbling in things that um, can bring them spiritual harm, there, there aren't proper warnings. Like every slumber party my kids ever went to, we had to have the talk about them not engaging in paranormal party games. Right. Not if, if anyone has a Ouija board and brings it out, you know, you are not doing that. You are going to call us, you know. And so having these very direct conversations with kids about how to participate when this comes up, we need to warn them clearly and instruct them and disciple them about how the spirit realm can, can help them. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit can be a comforter. Yeah. And how it can hurt them or harm them. Because there is only one spirit named holy. Yeah. <laughs> there is only one spirit that we have an assurance and a promise that will not harm us. Wow. Um, and that is when we interact with the Holy Spirit. Mm. So we need to have these conversations with our kids and not just relegate them to, well, that's something that is in the new apostolic reformation. And so we don't need to have those, those conversations. That's just for, you know, things that aren't biblical or wacky and weird or whatever our preconceived ideas are about it. We need to find a way to have these discussions in a biblically informed way, establishing spiritual boundaries, not being afraid, understanding our identity in Christ. And this is also part of our discipleship. Yeah, absolutely. Because if we're not speaking about it, then our kids aren't getting that uh, that practical application of discernment of, okay, yes, it might claim to be holy or good, but is it actually and so that way, when they actually get around their friends yeah. and they're hearing this information from their friends or they're hopping on TikTok and they click on one video and now all of a sudden TikTok starts feeding them more, how are they going to respond to the information they're receiving? And that's one thing that was really interesting when I was looking into yeah. this issue myself. They it was even talking about how the occult, it was on Teen Vogue, uh, about how in Teen Vogue, they were talking about how they were listening to these occult podcasts and how it was so great because what they were doing is through the occult, you can spread righteousness is what they were claiming. And as wait a second, I'm sorry, outside of Christ, you are not spreading righteousness. If anything, you're just spreading your will uh, or allowing, you know, these demonic right. forces to not only participate in their own lives, but um, affect others and their families around them. And so it, it was really interesting to hear these false claims of holiness, power, uh, even terms um it was talking about how Solomon, they were trying to claim that Solomon actually wrote some books on witchcraft and, uh, and how all of these names are pulling from scripture. Abraham, oh, they actually were involved in witchcraft themselves. There's angels and demons that are involved within the occult. In fact, you can actually pray, have God indwell within you. They never defined what God is. And they even said you can worship all sorts of different gods or none at all. And with this uh, holy power, whether it's from a god or this holy angel, now you can actually summon and control demons and have demons do your will as mm-hmm. well as have them teach you things. So it was really interesting to see that people would actually try to summon demonic forces. You can pick a different demon to teach you different things. One of them was even it could teach you philosophy. So anyone who's going to seminary, I mean, goodness, you know, now there's a demon for that, apparently. And so it was it was really interesting to see how customizable the occult is. And perhaps maybe that is where some of the allure is. It's almost like uh, we just had a blog come out on Enneagram and all of these other things to where you can sort of learn more about yourself, but then you can also uh, learn things from these demons, this sort of allure of the tactile, the beautiful, the crystals, the candles, uh, all of these things can be very appealing to the senses and lure young people away from the faith because they're not stopping to interact with, wait a second, is this true? Is it good? Is it holy? Um, it, what what are what have you seen? Uh, I mean, are, are you seeing this yourself with some of yeah. your experience? And 
Yeah, this, you're bringing up so many points. I'm going to try to remember I'm them so all. So sorry. But, I, like <laughs> people can go on Amazon. No, it, it's great. I mean, you can go on Amazon and type in like Holy Spirit Ouija board. Wow. And there's a Ouija board you can buy on on Amazon that claims it's safe to use because you're interacting with the Holy Spirit. Oh, and I'm that's like, not how that works. man, this is a deception from the pit of hell. But yeah, that's not how that works. Okay. I just want to let you know, but right in the product description, it says this is completely harmless. Mm. And I'm like, well, so yeah, no, we've, we've got to um, have clarity about the spirit realm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the seductive pull of the, of dark forces for our kids is real mm. and we will not help them by ignoring this. Right. We, we will not help our children by avoiding these conversations. And in fact, in my experience, parents who start engaging in these discussions, actually their kids become more resistant mm. and more resilient uh, to falling into these errors. Absolutely. Um, the other thing I think that, you know, there needs to be more conversation about is the fact that there is, I think, you know, because we are created in the image of God, there is a, a, a spiritual component to us mm-hmm. and a longing to understand the spirit realm and being connected to the spirit realm. So that's not inherently bad. Right. So we don't want to send a message to our children that interacting with the spirit realm is bad. Um, rather, we want to disciple them in how to properly interact with the spirit realm so they won't get hurt. Yeah. And how we do that is through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the blood of Jesus, to be able to access the throne room of the Father. And so there's there's a... There's an orderly way to do it. But but um, when we act like there's there's very little spiritual component, you know, in our lives, um, I think that that leaves some children, not all, but some children very vulnerable to exploring and being curious about the spirit realm. Yeah. Because um, in my observation in ministry, this is an observation. This is an opinion. This is not a word from the Lord, okay? But in my experience in ministry, it seems like God has just created some people who are naturally analytical. They're naturally into wanting to understand things and unpack truths and and be in the realm of abstract ideas, and then there's other people that God has created that just seem to be very fascinated and tuned into the spirit realm. And our tendency is to demonize both of these streams. The people who are more in touch with the spirit realm called the analytical people like, well, they're just dry and, you know, eggheads yeah. and they're out of touch with you know, all of these other spiritual possibilities that are available. The the intellectual people, the analytical people tell the people who are more spiritually oriented, you know, you need to stop interacting with the spirit realm. And, you know, that's just horrible. And, you know, if you're the atheist version of that, you're not even sure the spirit realm exists. And this is what why I said earlier, Christians are uniquely positioned to speak into both sides of these conversations. We have a faith that is founded and grounded in evidence and, and we can have a conversation about logic and reason and these kinds of things. But we, we can't fall into the ditch of thinking that the, the conversation about the spirit realm is somehow less than important or, or not relevant. They're both relevant. And some of us as parents are very analytical. We're over here in the analytical camp, but we have this one kid in our family who seems to gravitate towards spiritual things. And we can't disciple that kid in exactly the same way Mm -hmm. because they're just natural inclination 
is to be kind of tuned more into the spirit realm. Yeah. And I cannot tell you how many times in ministry I've interacted with individuals like that who had very analytical parents, but the child was more kind of spiritually oriented. The parents just, just tried to squash the child's curiosity and never discipled them properly. And then that kid became very vulnerable to getting siphoned off into the new age. Yeah. Because at least in the new age, people are willing to have the conversation. They'll acknowledge that the spirit realm is real. They'll acknowledge that these things seem to have power. And the child says like, my parents don't want to talk about this. They act like it's not even real, but I know it's real. Yeah. And so they get vulnerable to being plucked off into the new age. I think that a lot of these people, to be honest, this is a, this is an opinion. This is a kind of a controversial position, but I think a lot of people who get, go down the path of the new apostolic reformation. Mm-hmm. I think there's a good portion of those people that do that because they are just created to be kind of more spiritually inclined. Yeah. And at least in that stream, we can have the conversation. Yeah. Now, I don't agree with them on the particulars. Mm-hmm. I think that there's some issues that I have concerns about in the New Apostolic Reformation. But I get the emotional pull of it for some people. I've worked with these people in ministry. Mm-hmm. I've talked to them. I have friendships with them. And... I think that demonizing the NAR isn't helpful either. Right. (laughs) Because we have to understand why do people go down this path? Mm -hmm. And I think my theory of this is that in part, it's because these are people that God has just created with a more spiritual bent. But because we don't disciple very well these people, they just get kind of plucked off into errors. Yeah. So it's a very long answer. I'm sorry. No, no, no. But that's great. <laughs> and you bring up such a good point because we are called to test the spirit. And so part of that discipleship is saying, yes. okay, you are more spiritually inclined. You're more open to this. But we still have to discern whether or not it is true and good. And so it's constantly bringing everything back yes. to truth. So we have to start with, yes, baby, truth exists. Yes. The spiritual realm exists. There is good, but there is also evil. And we cannot sugarcoat what is evil. And that's what I see happening a lot with the occult. And I even remember from my own days of of dabbling in witchcraft is, oh, you have uh, white magic and dark magic. And oh, as long as you're being nice with your spell casting or you're not doing something that's inherently selfish, then it's okay. And that's going to bring it about. We're, we're, We're trying to whitewash evil when really it's about this control and power. And so that's your point about proper discipleship, depending on the learning style and the spiritual um, state of your child, the receptiveness of it, if they're more analytical or more spiritually open, we have to tailor our approach to meet their needs. So that way they can be effective for the kingdom and effectively wield the armor of God. Because like you said, the analytical kid isn't going to handle situations the same way that the spiritual kid is going to. And if we shut down the actual experiences of the spiritual kid, we mean we leave them more vulnerable to attack because we haven't trained them well on how to engage with the spiritual and discern what is true and good and what is a clever manipulation from Satan because that's where he's most effective. It's not in these big overt, oh, this is evil. It's those subtle shifts that you barely detect that all of a sudden leads the kid down a path that they never wanted to go. And you certainly didn't want them to go. So along those lines, let me give a couple of examples. Um, when I'm interacting with a parent and a parent is obviously to me like very analytical and that's great. We need all kinds of parents. Like I, you know, I'm the analytical parent, Mm -hmm. you know, that's me. But when your kid comes to you and says like, they see shadow people. Yes. Don't automatically assume they have an overactive imagination. Mm -hmm. Start to inquire. Tell me what you see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What is this? How does it make you feel? Does it make you feel scared? Does it make you feel, you know, like what's going on here? What does, is the shadow person talking to you? Mm-hmm. Are they sending you any messages? Like, I think that um, I, I encounter this so much where the parents just assume that the child, that the right way to be mm-hmm. is to make the child become analytical like the parent. Mm-hmm. Right. And 
um, that somehow being analytical is more virtuous, it's better. And it's difficult for the analytical parent to work with this spiritually inclined child. Yeah. And, but, um, you know, if the child is having, um, I've worked with people that, you know, the child is having persistent chronic nightmares, mm. not just like a nightmare, like every once in a while, but like, this is a, this is a major sleep disruptive problem mm. and ask the child, try to get them to describe what's the nature of the nightmares. What are you seeing? Mm. Do they repeat? Um, are you having the same nightmare over and over again? Um, are you seeing beasts that look like they're out of the book of revelation? Mm, yeah. like, like what is happening here? Try to inquire because it could be that, you know, the parent has to begin to do some detective work. Like when did this start? Mm -hmm. When did you start having these nightmares? Was there a specific incident, you know, and you have to kind of work with these spiritually oriented children because this stuff is real yeah. for some of them. Now, not all of us are wired that way. So we have to kind of have that appreciation that God makes different people differently. Yeah, absolutely. And one point you had made when we were talking earlier is how when our children are dabbling in the occult, how it can manifest in their own lives. And one thing you mentioned is that depression can actually be linked to demonic oppression. Uh, in and of itself. So what are some, what are some things you mentioned? Nightmares, um, seeing yeah. shadow people, which is full disclosure. So I'm more the analytical side. My husband is the spiritual, like hundred percent. And uh, everything you have described, he has experienced personally to the extent where I've actually experienced yeah. it within our own home. We're married. I mean, that, that just happens to become one. You end up encountering it yourself. I yeah. was more of the analytical side to where it's like, oh, you know, that's just some woo-woo stuff that they put on a movie to make it more sensational. And then I got a reality check. Right. And it's no, this is this is very much real. Spiritual warfare is very real. And so what are some things that parents can be on watch for uh, or even have their children equip their children to be on watch yeah. for, too, uh, when it comes to dabbling or being around the occult? Yeah. And you know, really another form of this question, Amy, is um, how will I know if my child is being harassed by demons? Yeah. Um, my child might not be involved in full occultic practices, mm -hmm. again, using Ouija boards, tarot cards, but they might have done enough mm -hmm. to open some doors. And even if they've done it innocently, yeah. um, they might be experiencing harassment, frequent nightmares, chronic, persistent nightmares can is a very common problem mm -hmm. that I run into in ministry. Um, I had one per client that I worked with that she saw this beast that literally sounded like it was right out of the book of revelation. Mm -hmm. She saw it every night as she was falling asleep and she was just very spirit realm oriented. Mm -hmm. And she had seen this beast since she was a child mm -hmm. And here she was like a grown 35-year-old woman. Yeah. And we go through a prayer session and she's never had that problem again. Yep. And it's been like six years. Yeah. So there are remedies for, for these issues. But we, if your child is describing like, I have the same issue with some frequency and this looks like a demonic creature, Maybe. like you might want to inquire about that and, and get some pastoral help. Um, paranormal experiences. I've talked to multiple teenagers that they, they start watching ghost hunting shows. They start <laughs> watching horror movies. And then all of a sudden they start experiencing paranormal activity in their house. Good. Yeah. And this is what I mean by it becomes a permission. Yeah. And so then demons kind of see that, like, you're giving them a permission to come harass you. And so... Um, you know, talking to teenagers about like steps, remedies, you know, of, all right, you're sick of these paranormal experiences. You're sick of doors closing unexplained, un unexpectedly yeah. or lights coming on and off and, and that sort of thing. Um, but honestly, the most common scheme that the enemy uses is messages to our thoughts. Yeah. The fiery darts of the enemy is described in Ephesians 6. Yeah. I think most often those fiery darts are messages that they try to get us to believe mm -hmm. about ourselves, about our spouse, 
about our boss, about our church, and they're just lies. Yeah. But, you know, negative self-messages, if, if, if the child, it just is like, has this persistent, chronic messaging about themselves that they're garbage and they're no good and, and they can't do anything right. Those to me are, um, a red flag that, you know, as a parent, I got to sit down with my kid and we got to have some deeper conversations about these messages and, and to see, you know, like, what is this about? And if the message really has no specific content, like there's just a bunch of self-condemnation, but it's very general. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I'm such an idiot. Yeah. I'm so stupid. But there's no like specific thing. To me, that's almost always like, mm, I think this this might be some kind of demonic harassment yeah. coming along here. So, you know, hey, we got to get together. We've got to pray. We got to have a conversation. We got to do some things to, to, to work on this. Identity issues. Yes. Confused identities, identity messages, and identity messages are anything that start with the words "I am." Mm, yes, I am dumb. I am stupid. Yeah. I am, you know, whatever. So in that situation, working with a child on, well, what does God say about you? Yes, absolutely. Let's, let's make some some phrases of "I am forgiven," mm. "I am loved," mm. "I am," um, "I am a child of God." Yeah. I am filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So teaching and working with a child on different I am identity messages. Um, so those are some things that I see come up a lot uh, in kids and, and teens. Thank you so much for that. One thing I've noticed, and I've, I've spoken to youth leaders, and they have seen this too, is this sort of myth that these these kids, teens especially, think that they can control these demonic forces, that dabbling in the occult is fine because as long as their circle is drawn out very nicely, they have either salt or they've written in the names of God. Uh, you know, they, they do these banishment spells that they can somehow control these demonic forces and even have them do their bidding. So is and just for uh, curiosity, can is this even possible? Krista, in your experience, is this something yeah. that these kids are capable of doing or is this actually a lie from the enemy? That's such a great question. And I would say that typically um, it's yes and a no. <laughs> so it depends on the situation. Like, for example, if you're a Holy Spirit filled Christian yeah. and, you know, you're a true born again believer, you're not just pretending to go to church mm-hmm. and that sort right. of thing. Uh, if you're a real Christian, your identity in Christ is one of being able to cast out demons. And so in that sense, you might, I don't really like the word control them, but you can cast them out Mm -hmm. of people. And so we have authority over demons as Christians. Um, Now I don't recommend being willy nilly with that, (laughs) Um, but it, you know, books, books like, um, Carl Payne's book, Spiritual Warfare, or Neil Anderson's books on the bondage breaker or steps to freedom in Christ are biblically solid um, discussions about these issues and understanding our identity in Christ. So in that way, Christians don't have to be bullied by demons. But if we don't know about our identity and we don't know about our authority in Christ, um, it can become very overwhelming. Um, Now, on the flip side of that, for people who want to control the spirit realm through witchcraft and spellcasting and stuff, um, my theory of that, this is a theory, this is an opinion, um, is that demons will cooperate with you for a while Mm -hmm. to to give you the illusion of control, Mm -hmm. but eventually... Once you've given them enough permissions and you've gone down the path of power and control, they will never leave you alone. They will harass you. They will, if you're not a Christian, they will um, really mess up your life and um, can harm your health, Mm -hmm. 
They can harm your mental health. They can harm uh, your financial well-being. They can bring chaos to your marriage. There's there's a lot of things that demons can do to um, mess us up. And but it comes through permissions. Again, this is this is the thing we have to understand. So if you start engaging in these things, let's say you start engaging with a lot of darker content online. You start watching a lot of very gruesome horror movies or you start watching a lot of anime content. Mm. This is seen as a as a permission and can invite demonic harassment. So in the beginning, you might think you're able to control them through witchcraft, or you might think you're able to do that, and they might cooperate with that for a while, but they will eventually turn on you, and it will be it will be bad. Yeah. <laughs> so you know whatever it's like Satan says to Jesus in the temptations, you know, I'm going to give you all the kingdoms of the world. Yeah. Well, the question is, is did he even have that authority to do yeah. that? Um, I think that's a debatable point, whether that was even under his authority. But this is the kind of seductive pull that demons engage in, in tricking us into thinking, you know, that they can be controlled. Yeah. No, and that's such a great point because even people who are dabbling in the occult, they will admit this reality themselves. They will say, oh, you know, if your spell doesn't work, it's because maybe there was a little bit of manipulation on your side that you were trying to achieve something wrong or, you know, demons. There was one gal uh, that said, oh, well, demons are going to push back. And so you kind of have to be watchful on that because they're going to kind of test you and mess with you a little bit, uh, even within the, you know, oh, you have to give these sacrifices or to, um, uh, offer this reverence to the to the scene. Otherwise, they're not going to do what you say. And if things aren't going right, if they're messing with you, it's because of something you did. So they will even acknowledge that they themselves do not have control of these demonic spirit uh, spirits, but yet they will still encourage people to dabble in them. And I mean, how how effective that is. It's this allure of power to get you further and further away from God. So yes, demons, like you mentioned, uh, will be accommodating but only so far as the fact that they're trying to keep you from God. So they will do what they need to do to keep you lured away. Yes. And that's what that's what we're, I've seen in literature myself in yes. watching videos, even watching these people speak of their own experiences. And, oh, this is what I do. But, oh, these things happen. And they don't quite realize what they're in the midst of. And so it, it's really it, it's fascinating to watch that even those within it don't realize that they are not truly in control of this situation. And along those lines, I think one of the important things parents need to do is, as they're in conversations with their kids, talk about the issue of curiosity. Mm-hmm. Because our kids are very curious, you know, and discourage them from going on YouTube and looking up all these videos and, you know, well, how does astral projection work? Yeah. You know, and this kind of thing. Because when you start doing that, the enemy can really begin to whisper to you to look more, investigate more. And um, sometimes it even sounds pretty. It'll be under the guise of research, yeah. you know, but uh, this this can become a snare for some people. Mm-hmm. And so just really discouraging your kids from Googling these things, YouTubing these things. These are not things that they need to know and understand. Rather so into them healthy spiritual activities, working with them on daily Bible reading, working with them on worldview development, working with them on testing the spirits, work, working on developing a healthy sense of the spirit realm from a biblical point of view. Absolutely. So as we finish up, Krista, if there are parents out there who, um, you know, their kids are wrestling with that, or even they themselves are wrestling with it, what are some practical steps that... Uh, people can take to free themselves from the influence of the occult? Yeah. So the, I, I really encourage people to um, read quality resources. I only recommend three voices <laughs> uh, is, uh, you know, because there's a lot of stuff on the internet yeah. out there um, and there's a lot of crazy stuff. And so biblically reliable voices. Um, I have an entire playlist on my YouTube channel I'm actually going to be doing two teachings in the month of February on this issue as kind of a follow-up to this conversation. So people can check that out. 
So you can go to Theology Mom and check out my channel. But if you really want to read a book and and get deeper, um, Carl Payne's book, Spiritual Warfare, I did an interview with him last June, so people can um, listen to that if they want. But that book is really just, I've recommended that book to hundreds of people. It's just the most biblically solid introduction to this issue. It was eye-opening to me when I read it um, back in uh, 2014, and it just was kind of a pivotal moment for yeah. me. So Carl Payne's book, he's worked in deliverance ministry for almost four decades. If people are concerned about him, I, I know many of your listeners probably are familiar with Doug Guyvet, okay. who is yeah. Holly Pivick's co-author on all the NAR books. Doug um, is friends with Carl Payne, really likes his ministry. Carl Payne was Doug's old college pastor. Well, so this is biblically solid information. Yeah. Um, this, this isn't extreme stuff. Right. Um, the other voice to look at is Dr. Neil Anderson and his program, uh, Steps to Freedom in Christ. He even has online classes right. that you can take. And if you really are trying to understand uh, with application toward your family and how this works and how to come out of agreement with lies. So those would be some ways to resource yourself. That's a good way to start. Generally speaking, from a spiritual standpoint, you got to have three things. It's kind of three steps is first having a conviction that engaging in these practices is wrong, that it goes against God's word. I can't do this anymore. I should not be doing this anymore. And when I say conviction, it has to be the conviction of the person involved. It can't be like the parent's Mm. conviction or you know, yeah. that sort of thing. It has to really be that person that they have that conviction. Mm. The second thing is repentance. Mm. That means changing your mind. The thing that you used to think was okay, you are now turning away from and thinking something different. Yeah. So you have to have that conviction that this is wrong. Repentance, changing your mind. So you're going from going this direction to now we're going to go this mm. direction. And then thirdly is confessing to God about the sin, receiving his forgiveness, and then moving forward and stopping the behavior. Those are the basic steps that I lead people through in in deliverance. It's those three steps. Um, Now, you know, sometimes the Lord works through things and, and, you know, it's, we build out those three steps in the conversation as we're going through prayer ministry together. But those are the basic three steps of what you have to do in order to get demonic harassment to stop. Thank you so much, Krista. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to subscribe to the Theology Mom podcast and add your review. You can also follow Krista at Theology Mom on Facebook and YouTube. Join Krista for more theology adventures on the All The Things Show, co-hosted with Monique Dusan. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.